Hey folks, it's your boy Noir. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Cigars and Crypto. On this show, I talked to Shitcoin Sherpa. We talked about how he got into the space, how he picked the name Sherpa, Toxic Maximalism, and a book that he was reading called Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell. This was an excellent episode. I really like this guy and I know you will too. Shout out to my show sponsors, Noir Coin. We are doing a Christmas giveaway. 5,000 Noir. So if you haven't entered, you still have time. Sit back, relax, enjoy the episode. I hope you like it. One love. You're listening to the only place on the internet that offers the perfect blend of high quality premium cigars and cryptocurrency news and commentary. Welcome to Cigars and Crypto. Now here's your host, Invest Noir. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Cigars and Crypto. It's your boy, Noir, and guess who I have with me today? None other than the man himself, Shitcoin Sherpa. What's up, baby? How you doing, man? Not much, man. It's good to be here. Good, man. It's good to have you here. Let's jump right in, my friend. How did you get into crypto? Uh, basically, I had uh, started trading you know, penny stocks and everything back probably 2015 and uh, went from that to like uh, political futures, you know, betting on uh, political races in different countries and stuff. I had kind of gotten into Bitcoin for donations and for purchases on some sites, uh, but then realized, you know, how much you could trade it and everything and how that market was developing. So uh, about mid-2017, I got into all of that. That's cool, man. I haven't heard penny stocks in a real long time. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, honestly, man, I, I knew that uh, penny stocks and OTC stocks were out there, but I just totally forgotten about it. I gotten into uh, OTC stocks. Oh, God. Just tell you how old I am. Like 98, 99. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, I was, you know, I, back then you, there were like sites, but most of the time you had to buy books and the books had the trades in them that you wanted to make based on the stocks. And they came out weekly. I think it cost me like nine ninety nine a month or something like that. It was ridiculous. But yeah, back in the day, I, I, I dabbled in a little OTC uh, stock trading. And of course, I failed miserably at it because I thought I was going to get rich quick. But, you know, wrecked is wrecked. It doesn't matter what the market is, you know. Yeah, that's how that goes. It's a lot like a lot, lot like trading here, really. There's a lot of parallels. <laughs> indeed, man. Indeed. You know, a lot of shitty projects, a lot of scammy work going on, a lot of scammy things happening in the background. And uh, there are definitely a lot of parallels. So tell me, my friend, Shitcoin Sherpa, the name, how did you come up with that? Because that's real slick, bro. <laughs> Uh, basically, you know, like I said, I got in, uh, 2017, right. Whenever we had the ICO craze and everything and, you know, all my friends were doing technical analysis. The only thing I really liked doing was reading white papers and really trying to look for red flags and projects. And so, uh, you know, Sherpas over in Nepal, they're kind of, they've developed superhuman kind of abilities. They can go higher up the mountain without oxygen and uh, rescue people and everything and uh, keep them from dying up there. And, you know, I kind of had this uh, same idea in crypto, like kind of help people get away from all these projects that uh, they were just getting completely murdered on. 
2017 by trying to point out some of the red flags and issues with them. So it just kind of evolved from there. Yeah, that's cool, man. I got into reading white papers in maybe April or May of 2017. I really didn't know much about the technology behind some of these projects, but you are able to find parallels um, between different white papers. And once you've read enough, you can really tell when it was just a cut and paste job. And that was always a massive red flag for me. If there was no, uh, if there was no uniqueness or no originality in the white paper, I was immediately uh, turned away by it. Of course, you know, I wrecked myself because I, I invested in a couple of projects that I thought were going to be great, even though the white papers were really scammy. Protex was one of the uh, projects that I invested in. I dropped about four Ethereum on them, and uh, they just kind of went dark after, right after the ICO. So, of course, I was really pissed by that. So you were uh, providing a valuable service to the community by uh, giving folks the heads up on what to uh, look at and what not to look at, man. Oh, I try. I mean, it's hard because, you know, like you said, there were so many plagiarized white papers uh, back in 2017. You know, you had Dady and uh, Tron, you know, right up there among them. Uh, but some of them, you know, you would find that the white paper looked fine. Uh, you know, I go into teams and try to really make sure that everybody checks out and, you know, you get better at that as you go, but there were some that looked good, you know, everything checked out, no big red flags going on. And still, I mean, they just, you know, kind of either floundered or ended up uh, exit scamming. There was just so much of that. Yeah, indeed it was, man. You know, I think you may be one of the few, if not the first person that I've had on my show who deals more with fundamentals than they do the technicals. Would that be a fair assessment? Oh, yeah. I would say there's not too many people in crypto who focus on fundamentals just because, you know, a lot of people will tell you you can make money even on outright scams or, you know, garbage coins and everything, and it's true. I mean, technical analysis and uh, price action are a lot uh, sexier really because uh, you can just, you can make money tomorrow um, on a good, you know, TA call, but fundamental analysis, basically all it does for me personally is makes me more comfortable in my trades. You know, I know that a company is going to be around for longer, so I'm not as driven to panic sell if it doesn't hit targets. Right. And that's a smart way to look at it. I, me personally, I don't consider myself a trader. Um, I've recently got into trading actively, um, but I fancy myself more of an investor. So fundamentals are very important to me whenever I'm looking at any project that I'm con you know, considering investing in. Um, so shout out to you for that, bro. A lot of people just don't look at fundamentals. They're only looking for that short term, like that fix. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, that's a real quick way to get wrecked. Definitely a quick way to get wrecked. Oh, so yeah, Definitely. So what, do you, what have you been looking at lately, man? Are there any, um, not projects specifically, because we don't give financial advice here, but are there any industries or technologies in crypto that uh, have caught your eye? Anything that you're looking at? Anything on the horizon, maybe? I used to be really big into uh, track and trace kind of projects. I'm trying to look at where uh, 
industries actually benefit from blockchain technology because there's a lot of stuff where it's just like okay i mean yeah you could technically use a blockchain for that but it doesn't really make sense to or it doesn't really add any benefit so i mean specifically like uh, track and trace distributed computing that kind of thing it makes sense to use the technology um provided by bitcoin and these other projects uh whereas you know it's not just oh yeah it's a point of sale system you know that uses blockchain technology it's like well yeah but i mean why agreed i think i think in 2017 and 2018 people really got this meme that blockchain was going to be on everything everything would have its own blockchain and everything would be tracked that way but uh, a lot of people don't realize that blockchain as a technology is slow and clunky by design because it's focused on security as opposed to speed. And when you start trying to add things that are already working well and putting them on the blockchain, companies, individuals, developers find that there's a real problem with it because it doesn't function as quickly as they want it to. And you have to give up some security to gain the speed that you want. And that, and then at, what, at that point, what's the point? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like one of the big I things mean, that I'm into. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. You're all right. I was just going to say, um, you know, I think you're going to see a lot more hybrids coming out where you, they utilize blockchain for the security and everything, but it's not necessarily the entire system or it's not the foundation of the system. Now, that's an interesting take. Expand on that for me, please. Uh, you know, I think that there's certain projects and without mentioning any names, they're trying to move in this direction where they're using systems that are faster, uh, sometimes more centralized and everything. But then they've got also this layer of blockchain and everything distributed ledger to perform some functions within it. And so, you know, they've got the security and they've got the immutability of blockchain for the things that actually need it but without necessarily slowing it down by that being the whole picture. Now that is an awesome use of the technology. I think a hybridized system would work well for a lot of industries. I, I think of social media companies and banks and how uh, they do such a poor job at protecting our user identification credentials. And how using this kind of technology, this hybridized uh, technology, would really work well um, for industries similar to that. I, me personally, I like blockchain for, like you said before, track and trace. So when when I hear that, I'm thinking of like logistics companies, shipping companies. You need to track uh, a stalk of broccoli from the field to the consumer, and I think blockchain is a great use for something like that. Here in my home state of Delaware, I am trying to champion the government adding deeds, birth and death records, and corporate records and prothonotary information to the blockchain so that we can decentralize and, 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 and save money um, for that. You don't really need a speedy system to store that kind of information 
But I think about how much money companies like Oracle and uh, Microsoft make with their database uh, products. And it just amazes me that they're able to do that. And it's because it's a monopoly. No one else was out there to compete with them. Right, exactly. So, I mean, it's, it's really about just trying to figure out where blockchain will actually improve the existing systems and everything. You don't have to turn everything into a blockchain, but it can be incorporated into a lot of different systems uh, for, you know, some very real benefit, like you were saying. Yeah, definitely. So let me move into something else, man, because your profile on Twitter is really interesting, bro. Let me me read it for my users who may not know who you are. Uh, Shitcoin Sherpa, you classify yourself as fundamental analyst, torrent and seed box aficionado, crypto Twitter's poet laureate, shitcoin sifter extraordinaire. Dude, that's awesome, man. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. You posted something early today, uh, earlier today that really kind of resonated with me um, when I read that line, Crypto Twitter's Poet Laureate, about, I'm scrolling down to it right now. Let me quote you here. As it relates to our community, I would say that we are trying to recreate this path in a financial microcosm. Satoshi represents Daedalus giving us the thread by which we find our way through the maze, leaving behind our old financial values and submitting to the new set. Dude, how long did it take you to think of that, bro? (laughs) Oh, that's just, it's something I've been puzzling over for a while. I started uh, reading and uh, studying uh, Hero with a Thousand Faces, uh, Joseph Campbell. And so I was going over a discussion on Reddit some people were having about that. And it really, it applies a lot to, uh, you know, any, any struggle in life, any uh, thing that we go through. You know, you've got a call to adventure. You've got a problem that needs solving. You've got something that you're trying to make a major decision on. And there's steps that you go through in all of that. And I think that Satoshi is really, you know, part of solving that problem uh, for us financially, part of showing us the path to abandoning an old way of doing things and, um, you know, transforming, picking up a new set of skills, a new way to tackle these problems and uh, following that path. It's, it's really uh, interesting to me to apply some of those uh, pseudo-religious almost um, ideas to finance and to the way that we do things. Because I've said it a few times, there's a lot of uh, really weird parallels between Bitcoin and religion that uh, I find pretty fascinating. I totally agree with you. I think the maximalism that is expressed by different factions in the cryptocurrency space is akin to cultism. It's toxic in some ways. Um, There's nothing wrong with really believing in something, but there is something wrong with feeling that no one else is as good as you or belongs uh, in the space with you or should benefit for not believing in and or espousing to 
the philosophy or ideology of a coin or token project. Uh, that's just not how I'm built. I, I've said it a million times, bro. I am a, I'm not a maximalist. I'm a capitalist. So I don't really care what the coin or project is, if it's profitable or, or if they're doing good for the community, whether it's a small community, a large community, or the global community, I am on board with that project. Now, with that said, BTC is everything for me, but I'm not a maximalist. So I understand where you're coming from, where you're saying that there's a real link between uh, religion and cryptocurrency fanatics um, that I both like and also scares me. Yeah, I mean, on the most basic level, you know, religion starts as a community and everything. And so it's really the same way here. And you do have those toxic elements that develop in, you know, both of those things where it is this maximalism. It is this uh, idea that followers of any other coin or faith, you know, are a threat. But you know, you also have the really good aspects of that. You have, you know, the community aspects. And, you know, there's nothing better than the uh, Bitcoin community in terms of uh, holding each other up, in terms of charitable stuff. But then, you know, you also have uh, the really toxic maximalism, which, I mean, I'm financially agnostic. Like you said, it's not about um, marrying any coin or... <laughs> Uh, devoting myself completely to any one thing. Bitcoin right. is the best. Right. Um, <laughs> that's not all there is. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So look, my friend, let me ask you a question. Where do you see Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, and blockchain technology in the next three to five years? I see it becoming a lot more mainstream. I don't think, you know, well get to the point anytime soon where it's the only thing or whether where it's the global currency. But I do think that you're going to see the technology incorporated into a lot more projects. We're already starting to see uh, some companies come up with their own blockchain solutions. And you're starting to see, you know, some nations that are coming out with their own cryptocurrency or uh, digital currency. And, so, I mean, Bitcoin started all that. It's going to pick up more steam, I think. But you're also going to see a lot more um, diversity in how people use the technology that came about as a result of Bitcoin. Very profound, my friend. Very profound. Ladies and gentlemen, Shitcoin Sherpa. Brother, I appreciate you joining me this evening, man. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me on, man. No problem.